Well, the uh, Federal Reserve Open Market Committee has met. The news conference has taken place. Interest rates have gone up. And then there's that rhetoric, trying to understand Fed speak. I'm not fluent in it, but I know a man who is. Rob Kaplan is the former CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, sat around that FOMC table many times, and and is fluent in the language and joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Uh, good to be with you, David. So, so what did you hear in the in the FOMC release and in, in the news conference? I mean, we all heard that interest rates are going up a half point, but what else did we hear? I heard that people should expect that rates are going to get in the neighborhood of 5% plus or minus on the Fed funds rate, and they're going to stay elevated in that neighborhood for most, if not all, of 2023. And how do you know when to stop? I mean, there's a lag. You you raise interest rates today to, to kill off inflation. Well, you don't see the impact right away. There's a lag time. How do you know when to stop? So the, here's the problem with having to hit the brakes. There is a lag when you hit the brakes and you don't know. So what what the reason the Fed is, quote unquote, slowing down the rate of increase is they've now gotten to four and a quarter, four and a half. They actually want to give the economy a, a chance to evolve and unfold and then reassess where we are because they're very aware that they don't know. The problem is they don't have a choice, uh, given how inflation's gotten away from us. They don't have a choice but to, to go through this exercise, but they're very aware that there's a risk of overshooting. I don't mean this in an unkind way, but do they know what they're doing? I mean, have we been through this before? Is there a, is there a manual that you can look at that tells you what yeah. to do? There is, there, in my opinion, yeah, there, there's, an, there's a manual that says you should try to keep a balanced approach to monetary policy. What does that mean? It means as you're approaching full employment and tighter employment, you take your foot off the accelerator. In the same way, there's no manual when you're driving your car on how do you slam on the brakes and get through it without a severe injury. <laughs> it's the same yeah. way here. The best manual is to take your foot off the accelerator, and I'm talking a year, year and a half ago, uh, and so that you you moderate your speed and you're driving a lot more safely. Because that wasn't done, uh, they're having to throw away the manual for now and do something you really don't want to do, which is when you're slamming on the brakes and, you're, and you've had to raise rates this dramatically, it's an indicator that the Fed was just dramatically out of position and had to sprint to get back into position. You'd prefer, you really prefer not to have to do this, this uh, exercise, but the Fed didn't have a choice. Maybe that's maybe that's the answer to the question I was about to ask, because what I'm going to say is you were there. I mean, you were sitting around the table in some case, some sometimes you were voting, sometimes you weren't. But you were always speaking and always heard. So why why was the lag? Why didn't they do it early? There was a there was a as has been I've said publicly before, there was a disagreement. And the key for me was September of 2020, where I, where I dissented on the guidance and the decision to leave rates as zero and remain extraordinarily accommodative until we reach full employment. 
I felt at the time that was a mistake. I felt it was a departure from the balanced approach to monetary policy. But uh, like happens sometimes, uh, I was in the minority. There was a disagreement. And uh, uh, I, I was surprised that we that we did not start taking our foot off the accelerator in early 21 and certainly the first half of 21, but it's just one of those things. Sometimes you're in a company or you're in a group where you're a minority, you yeah. disagree, and that this, that, that I just couldn't convince people. You know, you, you mentioned employment there. Let's talk about that because that's something we don't talk about. Uh, probably the media doesn't talk about as much as maybe Fed officials do. We tend to focus on the slowdown in the housing market or what food prices are doing or how much a, a gallon of gasoline is, and that's our our gauge of inflation, but the Fed looks at employment, and employment is weird. I mean, there are massive layoffs, but everybody who gets laid off is turning around and getting another job. That's not right. what the Fed wants to see, I guess, is it? Well, let me let me reframe this. Let me tell you what I've always – I was taught to look at this, and I look at it now, and I think your listeners should start following nominal GDP, Okay, nominal GDP growth was three and a half percent in 2019. It was 12 percent in 2021. It's nine percent this year. I don't think the potential of the U.S. economy to grow is much greater than one and three quarters or two percent because of aging population, aging demographics. So that means to get inflation down to two or even three I think you have to get nominal growth down to four. Nominal GDP growth is the key. A byproduct of that will be slowing labor demand, rebalancing of certain goods. But I think for me, the key is to watch nominal growth, not just real growth, nominal growth. Nominal growth needs to slow from where we are now. Uh, if we're going to get inflation down, and that's where I'd have my eye. You know, I mean, one of the things that, that's the byproducts of all this, I think, in, in the employment picture, is it's forcing companies to get more efficient, uh, whether it's finding ways to to do as much with, with, with a smaller workforce or using robotics or, you know, just sort of restructuring companies. And in that case, some of those jobs aren't going to come back. So a lot of those jobs weren't going to come back in any event. Here's the issue. A big part of our economy is in the service sector and is 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 not terribly susceptible to technology. Listen, if you run a if you're in a call center or even if you're a driver, your job will eventually be replaced by technology or some chunk of those jobs will be. But many parts of the service sector need people. If you run a hotel, you need a person right now, not a robot to clean the room. And many service sector uh, companies simply are operating below capacity because they cannot find the workers. Uh, I always say ground zero of this situation is people making 50000 a year or less. There are 50 million of them. They heavily work in the service sector, and they cannot make ends meet with this inflation. They need, they need to get paid more. And because we're aging, there aren't enough workers to go around. So technology will help, but... Uh, we've overheated the labor force by juicing demand during 21 and partly in 22, and that's why we're having this problem. We'll get back into equilibrium in the labor force, but the only way to do it is moderate growth 
further. It would have been better just never to have spiked as high as we did uh, by not not accelerating demand as much as we did. But now we've got to come at it from the other way. But that will help the, the labor market get back in equilibrium. And, yeah, technology will be a part of it. But it doesn't change the fact we're going to have worker shortages for some extended period. Hey, you know, we always talked about your old district as, as sort of an asterisk, as, as the the strong one, which is all of Texas and some of the contiguous states, and that we were, right. you know, we didn't feel it as bad as maybe the rest of the country. Is that going to continue to be true? In some ways, yes, because we've got, I mentioned that workforce growth is decelerated in the United States, in fact, down to close to zero nationwide and that's my that's the forecast for the next 10 years texas is bucking that trend because we have migration of people and firms to the state as well as our organic growth so that part will be helped the wage price stress though the inability for people making 50 grand a year to make make ends meet that is here for sure and i think i last time i talked to you i said this is a crisis of the employed right we're used to a crisis of the unemployed now we have a crisis of the employed they can't make ends meet without higher wages but texas has got a great tailwind in terms of workforce growth and we should translate the gains from that into early childhood literacy digital divide access to child care skills training and all the things that help improve productivity so we can get higher growth here and take advantage of of what we have. So you know, wh- wh- where we sit right now, tell me your gut. Can we get a soft landing? The, the, the idea is to slow down the economy without going into a recession. Now, the truth is we've lived through many recessions very successfully. But can we avoid a recession? We can, but here's the issue. The, the certain, certain aspects of the goods cycle will get moderated here. Okay, and that's already happening. The issue will be uh, the wage price spiral, I think, is going to mean inflation is sticky. And then the second problem, I think we've got to relook at our whole energy policy to have a much greater ability to have an energy transition, which might actually mean producing millions more in barrels in the United States. I think we'll have a dirtier environment. Uh, we're going to burn more coal globally if we don't do that. We're encouraging dirtier producers to produce more while we're producing less. That, that's that got to get addressed. And at the extent we don't do that, means the Fed will stay tighter for longer. And it means it's more likely we're going to have a less soft landing. But those the, the wage price spiral and energy might mean the Fed is going to have to be tougher for longer in order to get much below 4% or even 3 or 4%. And that's going to be the challenge. Well, I, I look forward to the other side <laughs> when we don't yeah, have this winning anymore. We're making me it. Too. Rob Kaplan is the former vice chair of Goldman Sachs and, of course, former CEO of the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas. Thank you very much for the time, sir. Uh, thanks, David. Good to talk with you. Thanks. For more of our conversation, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRL.